Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing? Doing great. Isn't the message of Jesus awesome? I mean, what he did for us on the cross and his love for our lives. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want everyone in the world to know all about it. So I pray that the message of that song becomes the passion of our lives, that as we go out into the world from the moment that we leave this sanctuary as the body of Christ, that we are able to go out and tell the world all about Jesus and share his love with each other, okay? Very glad to have you, and I'm excited for what God has in store for us here. So I'm going to invite you to all to stand back up. I know you just sat down, but we're <laughs> going to continue to worship, but I'm going to pray for us this morning and ask for God's presence to fill this place. Let's bow our heads. Lord, again, I love you, and again, I thank you so much for bringing us all together. You, we mean a lot to you, and I'm so thankful that you look down on us and see us as yours. I'm so thankful that I can call you mine that you live in my heart, and so many of us in this room share in that this morning. But Lord, not only just live in our hearts, but radiate out of our lives, so that all who come and see, that we come in contact with God, sees you and knows you. Be with us this day, um, and, and be with Brother Will as he brings the word, God. Open our hearts to be receptive to all that you want us to hear and learn from you, Lord. We love you, and bless the rest of our worship time in your name. Amen. Wave to each other. Let's continue to worship.
Yeah.
you thankful for that power? I don't know about you, but I have really enjoyed this series on learning about the Holy Spirit. And um, every believer has a spiritual gift. And it's our prayer through this series that each one of you find out exactly what that is so that you can fulfill your purpose, right? To know why you're here and to edify the church and build up the kingdom. You know, every week as we gather together, it's, it's my prayer that um, the Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. We know that it is the power of the Spirit that convicts and changes and moves in our lives and gives us direction. In John, it says that when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. And so it's our prayer that He is here and he has freedom in this place to work. In order for that to happen, we have to welcome him. We have to have our hearts ready and open. And so as I ask you, as you come in each week, that you will pray that prayer with us. Holy Spirit, just have your way. Start with me and work in this place and help us to do what you're calling us to do. So this song, if you will, just sing it with us. And it just says, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here.
freedom to work in this place. Lord, begin with me. Change me. Pray that we be open, we be attentive. Because I know that you're here. And I know that you want to make a difference in our lives. That's your desire. If we just let you in. So I just pray that you will remove distractions from this room, from this place. Let our worship be pure and honest and humble in your sight. That you would receive the praise that we're giving you, Lord. You alone are worthy. There is no one like you, Father. None. None like you. Just have your way today. We give you praise in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. today leading us in worship. I welcome those of you who are here in person and uh, also those who are listening online. Thanks for being at Cavanaugh Church today. It's a good day. Amen? Amen? Amen. Fantastic. All you people online say amen. Thank you. All right. Good deal. Hey, I'm excited about uh, this coming week for a couple of reasons. Number one, on Tuesday, we're going to take a uh, group on a missions trip to Randall University in Moore, Oklahoma, and we're going to do a lot of work on campus there at our school. Looking forward to that. Wednesday night, our service is going to be a joint service live on the campus of Randall University with a new startup church called Summit Fellowship. And so you tune in, uh, Facebook online, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, and you'll see those of us on the missions trip and also this new startup campus uh, on Randall University, and we're going to worship together with them. Second thing I'm excited about is uh, I heard a little bird whisper in my ear that possibly Asa Hutchinson is going to uh, upgrade us to stage two this next week and reduce some of the restrictions that we are currently under. I'm looking forward to the day when we have, yeah, go, go ahead do that. I'm looking forward to more people being able to come back on campus and being able to actually see your faces when I look out there. So hopefully one of those things will happen this next week. I'm in a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm preaching out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here in a moment I'll read verses 7 through 11. We're talking about uh, uh, spiritual gifts today, unwrapping our spiritual gifts and we've been discussing the Holy Spirit's role in our life. You see, it is the Holy Spirit who is our entrance into the life that we've always wanted and the power that we've always needed. And he talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and that is with verse 7. Here's what he says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of you for the profit of all. So the Holy Spirit has given you a gift, and when you use that gift in a ministry within the local church, what you are doing is manifesting, or you are displaying the power of the Holy Spirit of God in and through your life. For to one is given the word of wisdom, 
through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of those tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So let me summarize what these verses are saying, and the Bible is teaching. The moment you invite Jesus into your heart, you are born again. You become a citizen of heaven. And several things happen to you when you confess your sins, invite Jesus into your life, and are born again. One of the first things that happens is that God writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. You might say, well, big deal. <laughs> that is a big deal. Because the Bible tells us only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life are going to be able to go into heaven. So if you want to go to heaven, you need your name written in that book. And to do that, you invite Jesus into your heart. The moment you're saved, the moment you pray that prayer, dear Lord, I am a sinner, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart, the Holy Spirit of God moves into your life. That is, God himself, through the person of the Holy Spirit, takes resident in your life. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You have God literally living inside of you. Transformation complete, God inside of you. And what the Holy Spirit does when he moves inside your heart is he comes bearing gifts, right? He gives to every believer at the moment of conversion a spiritual gift. And our goal in life and our Christian experience is to unwrap the spiritual gift that God has given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and begin using that gift within the context of the church for the benefit of the body of believers. And when we do that, when we have God's power flowing through us, doing the work of the ministry, we are manifesting the power of God in our lives. Amen? That is fantastic. That, that is God working in you and through you. So last Sunday, we said that spiritual gifts are given by God's grace. They are given for Christian service, and they are given with the power of God to every believer. Now, this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we're going to wade a little bit deeper into this river. And church, I, I want you to know this this morning. What I'm talking about to you today is very serious. So I want us as a church and you as an individual believer to take this very seriously. Now, do you remember the, the final three things I told you last Sunday? Don't worry if you don't remember. I don't remember either. But oh, no, I have them written down here. We're going to pick up where we left off. And those last three things I said to you are our three points for this morning. They were number one, this, unwrapping your spiritual gift helps you to discover your unique purpose in life. When you discover your spiritual gift and use it, 
it dawns on you. You begin to realize, you know what? God has a purpose for me. I am here for more than just consuming air and oxygen and food. I am, I am more than just a consumer. I am a contributor. God has a reason for me here, and he also has a reason for me to be in this church. Again, verse number 7 tells us this. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of you for the profit of all of us. The, the term that is used for spiritual gift has at its root the word which means joy. Joy. And I'm telling you, church, the joy that comes from discovering God's gift in my life and using that gift for his kingdom brings an amazing joy into my life. There is no greater joy than doing what God has made you to do. Why? Because you are discovering your unique purpose for living and God for saving you and God for placing you into the body of Christ. And here, spiritual gifts are called the manifestation of the Spirit of God. And they are given to each one of us. So our goal as believers is to discover the unique gift that God has given to me and then to be able to use that in the church and in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Yes. Come on. Yes, it makes sense. So I'm going to get real practical this morning. I'm going to share with you five very real ways for you to discover your spiritual gift. Five things that you can do that will help you realize what that gift is that you have and how you can be using it in the kingdom of God. And these are five very practical things. Like number one, keep your walk with God strong. Why? Because your spiritual gifts flow through you from God and come out of you to minister to other people. And if there is something in your life that is blocking your relationship with God, it, it's plugging that source up. And God is not able to flow through you and for you to be able to minister to other people. So you need to keep your daily walk with Jesus Christ strong. That means that every day you have a quiet time with the Lord. Every day you are reading God's word and praying to him and allowing him to strengthen your life. And here's something very practically that I do every night before I go to bed as I'm saying my, my nighttime prayers. I will say, Lord, if, if I have allowed anything or anyone, notice my anything, anything or anyone, because sometimes we allow people to come into our life and we allow relationships that can that can put a wedge between us and God. So I say, Lord, if I've allowed anything or anyone to come between me and you today to restrict your flow of power and grace through my life, Lord, show me what that thing is or who that person is, and, and Lord, let's deal with that. Because I don't want anything to restrict the power and the flow of God's energy through my life as I minister to other people. Okay? So if you really want to know your spiritual gift and use it for the glory of God, make sure that your walk with God is consistent and it is strong. Number two, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, ask God for wisdom. Okay? Now, how many of you have ever been in a situation in your life where you, you just needed some divine guidance, some divine wisdom? 
You, you needed God to show you what to do and which path to take. Sure, we, all, we are all that way. And here's the thing. The Bible tells us numerous times that all we have to do is ask God for wisdom, and he's going to give us an ample supply of wisdom. So it kind of makes sense to me. If I want to discover what my spiritual gift is and what ministry I need to be involved in, I need to ask God for that wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 is one of my go-to verses. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and he will give you the wisdom you need. So all you have to do is ask God for that wisdom. So number one, keep your walk with God strong. Number two, ask God for wisdom. Number three, to help you discover your spiritual gift, you need to explore the possibilities. You see, in the process of doing ministry, you're going to find things that you're really good at, things that you really are passionate about. And along the way, you're going to find some things that you're not so good at and not effective with. But note this, we all have spiritual gifts, and we should be serving with that gift in mind in in the ways that God leads us to use it. Our primary ministry within the context of the church should be in the area of our spiritual gifting. But also, we need to serve in other ways. Just because we may not have a spiritual gift to serve in this area does not exempt us from being involved in other areas of ministry. You say, well, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, here's an example. I may not possess the spiritual gift of service. And there is a gift of service, a gift of helps. But the Bible commands all of us as believers to be involved in serving one another. Galatians 5.13b says, serve one another in love. So just because you don't have the gift of service doesn't exempt you from serving other people. I may not have the spiritual gift of evangelism. I may not be an evangelist, but the Bible says that we are to be a witness for Christ in the daily pattern of life. So as I go about my life every day, whether it's at work or in my family or or out on the streets, I should be a witness for Jesus Christ, even though I may not have the gift of evangelism. I may not have the gift of spiritual hospitality, but you know what? I am to open my heart and my home and my resources to other people as a basic Christian value. Why do I say that? Well, the Bible tells me that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, share with God's people who are in need. And then specifically, it says, practice hospitality. Now, not all of us in this room have the gift of teaching, specifically in the realm of teaching children. We talked about that last week. It, I'm you, it takes a special calling to have the gift of teaching children. But you know what? That's okay. You need to realize that Jesus said, don't hinder the little children from coming to me. Jesus cares about kids, and he wants kids to have access to him. So just because you want to see Jesus become real 
to children and to preschoolers and those in our We Worship age group here at Cavanaugh Church, you need to call Ashwin and Caleb this afternoon or see them before you leave today and say, hey, Ashwin, Caleb, I'm, I, you know what? I don't have the gift of teaching kids, but I want to be used to help our kids. So sign me up for We Worship. Amen. Come on. Go see Brother Johnny and say, hey, you know what? I can't teach kids, but I can sure help you as you teach our kids. You know, sometimes we just need to do what is necessary in order to help other people. No one is too important or so gifted that they don't have time to do basic Christian service and love other people in the name of Jesus and for the good of the gospel. So you know what? You may not have a gift in a particular area, but there, if there is a need, fulfill that need. There is a spiritual gift of, of being a giver. Those who have the gift of, of ministry or giving have this extraordinary ability to give sacrificially. Now let me tell you, not everybody in this room has that gift. But you know what? The Bible says that we are to all be proportional givers. That is, we are all to tithe. And if the Lord leads us to give a special offering, we are to do it. We are to give. Why? Because Christians are givers. So even though you may not have a specific gift or a calling into a specific area, does not exempt you from being used by God. So here's what you got to do. You've just got to serve. You got to give. You got to work. Number four. Number one was make sure your walk with Jesus is strong. Number two, ask God for wisdom. Number three, explore the possibilities. And number four, you need to monitor your passion. What, what do you have a heart for? What, what stirs your soul? What area of ministry ignites your engine and wants you to jump in and do something? For, for some of you, it's single moms. You care about them. Or unwed mothers, you, you have a passion to help them. For others of you, you have a, you have a concern for our prime timers. You know, we got a number of people in our church who are just not able to, to get out and, and shop and do the basic necessities of going in and getting their medicine on a monthly basis. And you care about those people, so you want to check on them and help them out. Some of you have a passion for teenagers or for children. Some of you have a passion for homeless people or the people who come to our church weekly and receive the gift of food. That is your passion. So what you need to do is, is, is make sure you're cued in to that passion because that could be a clue to your giftedness. Whatever you're passionate about may be what you're gifted in, so monitor your passions. And then number five, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, expect confirmation. What do I mean by that? Well, others around you are going to recognize that God has given you a particular ability or a ministry. And as you serve in that ministry and are effective, they may say something to you like, man, you're really good at that. Or thank you so much for your ministry. It means so much to me what you're doing for the kingdom of God. Now, let me flip that around and, and say it this way. When you see that in somebody's life, you need to be affirming them. If you see someone doing ministry in the name of Jesus and using their spiritual gift for the kingdom of God in this church, you need to tell them, thank you for doing that. I mean, thank you for using your gift. Thank you for ministering to me. Because you know what that is? That is confirmation to them that they are following the call of God in their life. 
And here's the point of all this. When you discover what your gifts are, you shouldn't just sit around and wait for someone to ask you to do something. Do this with your head. Okay? I'm going to come back and talk about that at the end of the service, but here's the point. You need to be proactive. You need to start using your gift. You need to cultivate your spiritual gift. You need to sharpen the tools that God has equipped you with. Take your spiritual gift seriously because it is the pathway to incredible fulfillment as you discover God's unique purpose for your life. But, but there's another reason you need to take this seriously. Number two, understanding your spiritual gift helps you appreciate other members who are in this body and in this church. Do you remember last week I, I made the statement that the source of conflict in so many churches is that we want everyone to be just like we are? And when you're not just like me, and I expect you to be just like me, there's going to be some tension there. There's going to be some fires that start. When, when we want everyone to think just like we think, when we want everyone to talk just like we talk, when we want everyone to be passionate about the things that we are passionate about or to respond the way that we respond. You see, church, God has given each of us a unique passion Ding, 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 we're not all alike, okay? And when we understand the gifts and that God has given us unique gifts, we will quit demanding that everybody else be just like us or think just like we think. Now, in verse number 8, we come to a listing of some of the spiritual gifts that God has deposited into each church. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives us a list of nine spiritual gifts. A couple of weeks ago, I told you there are actually four New Testament passages that include all of the gifts, and depending on how you word them and define them, there are a total of about 20 spiritual gifts. But here in 1 Corinthians 12, we have the longest single list, and, and I'm going to read this list of nine gifts to you, and I want you to notice carefully the wording that Paul used when he described these nine gifts. He said, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of those tongues so in the listing of the nine spiritual gifts notice what he said to one of you you've got this gift to another one of you you've got this gift another one of you has this other gift notice the way he's saying this not any single person in the church has all of the gifts no, the Holy Spirit has decided and chosen who gets what gift. So even though we may look alike and sometimes act the same way, we are so very different. Can you see that? I, I, like, to, uh, I like to think of it in terms of families, you know, because you look at a family and you see so many similarities. 
I told the first service, uh, I can see this in my wife's family, the archers, but she kind of gets a little upset with me when I pick on the archers, so I'm not about to do that today. I'm going to pick on the Harmons, all right? I want to pick on my dad's family. Uh, when my dad was a, a little boy growing up in Midland, Texas, it was, uh, Dad, I hate to bring this up, but it's, it's an important part of the, the story. My, my dad was just a boy, uh, and it happened, I think, on a Saturday morning. Uh, his dad, on Christmas Eve, had to go into work. And he was driving up. Dad was in an old pickup truck, I think he was in. And, and in Midland, Texas, uh, the railroad track just goes east and west, and it divides the north and south part of town. And so he had to go up over the railroad track, and it's, it's, it's an incline. It's a ramp. You have to drive up, go over the track, and come back down. And as he was going up that ramp to cross the railroad track, his old pickup truck stalled. And it stalled and stopped, David, right on, right on the center of the railroad track. And a locomotive was coming, and it hit my granddad's pickup truck and killed him instantly. My dad was just a boy, young boy. And uh, that left Grandma Harmon to raise seven kids by herself. And let me tell you, she had a hard time. Because within that family of seven kids, there's some humdingers in there, in that family. <laughs> There are, man. I tell you what, five girls, three boys. I can remember as a kid growing up and we'd have family reunion every summer. We'd go to Brownwood Lake, Brownwood, Texas. We'd rent this big old, it was a kind of a big old dorm thing. You, you walk in, there's a kitchen, some bathrooms, and then on either end is, is lodging with bunk beds. And we'd all fill in in there. And I mean, there's Harmons everywhere. And I tell you what, if you weren't crazy when you got there, you were crazy by the end of the week. But it was fun, okay? I don't mean to dep be depressing. It was fun. Great, great memories. And here's one thing I remember. You, you, take, you take my dad and his siblings and Grandma Harmon, and you set them down for a picture. You set them down and look at them, and there are traits that you can see in all of them. They all look alike. They're, they're family resemblance. Are, are you with me? You can see that in some of your families, can't you? You know that. Are you with me? Oh, he's a Nichols. You know? Because there's a, there's a family resemblance. And you know what? They had that. And, and you get them together playing 42 and dominoes and whatever. They're all loud and obnoxious and having fun. And, and they kind of act alike. And you think, well, they're just exactly alike. They're all peas in a pod. Well, in some regards. But if you pull each one of them out individually and start talking to them one-on-one, -on -one, you will realize they are as different as daylight is from dark. You just take my dad and his two brothers, those three guys, they look alike, don't they, Mom? They all look alike, but they're not alike. They act differently. They think differently. They process information differently. Are you with me? And when we look at the church, when we look at Kavanaugh Church, 1030 service you may just take a snapshot of the people who are here and those listening online or look at the pictures behind me and say oh they're, they're all the same they all have the same characteristics that is not entirely bad because you know what we should be displaying the same characteristics why we are the body of Christ we should all put on Christ's likeness when the world puts its squeeze on us what should come out of us Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus should be Lord of our life and Lord of all. So in that sense, we should all look alike. 
But then you start pulling us out individually and talking to us individually. You'll see that, you know what? We are so very different. Every one of us has a different passion about church and about missions and about ministry. We all have different giftedness. And we need to see the wisdom of God in putting the church together the way he put the church together. We don't all have the same spiritual gifts. Praise the Lord for that. We don't all have the same passion for the same ministries. Praise the Lord for that. Why is that the way it is? Well, the Bible says the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. And, newsflash, you aren't the Holy Spirit. So you didn't get to choose your gift, nor do you get to choose the gift that the person next to you has. So just look at the first two gifts on this list here. I want to use this as, a, as an illustration as we dissect this. In verse number 8, it gives us the first two gifts. It is the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Now, these two gifts are what I might call uh, contemplative gifts. The people who have these gifts are, are people who are thinkers. They're observers. Are you with me? Let me define them very quickly. First is the word of wisdom. Literally, it is the ability to make skillful and practical application of scriptural truth to real-life situations. And those people who have this gift of the word of wisdom have the ability to synthesize the word of God, the truths that are in the Bible, and convey them to others so that they can make wise choices in life and avoid what the book of Proverbs says is the way of foolishness. Literally, they are dispensers of God's wisdom as a roadmap for you to follow in life. A Christian counselor needs to have this gift of the word of wisdom. Pastors use this gift when doing pastoral counseling or making application of scripture in their sermons. A person with this gift of wisdom sees the right thing to do in scripture and knows how to help someone else actually flesh it out and do it. They know how to take scriptural principles and put them into practice in everyday situations. They may be able to sit down and take the counsel of God's word and help you to, to strengthen your, your, your finances and, and fix the financial mess that you're in using Bible principles. They may be able to take the counsel of God's word and help you make decisions for your family or for your career. And notice that it is called the word of wisdom or the message of wisdom. It is the Greek word logos, and it tells us that it is something not only that we are to possess, but we are to communicate that and speak that to help someone alongside of us. It's not just wisdom for me, but it's wisdom for others. So when that person who has this, this word of wisdom speaks to you, the light comes on in your head. And you say, well, that makes sense. And you see the right way to go in a specific situation in accordance to God's revealed word that's been explained to you. That makes sense? So do we need some people in our church with this gift speaking wisdom into our life? Absolutely. The second is the word of knowledge. 
It is the ability to research and remember and then make effective use of scriptural information. That is, they pass this information, this Bible truth, on to the rest of us. The person with this gift has the ability to study God's Word and discover the, the full meaning of the text and the context. They are able to exegete the Word of God and provide understanding for others. It is the ability to grasp the meaning of God's revelation. If you're a teacher, you probably possess this gift of the word of knowledge as well. Most preachers and teachers have this gift. Let me explain it this way. When I was in seminary, my preaching professor told us, your job is real simple. You are to be the McDonald's arch to your congregation. That is, you take the word of God and understand it. You read it. You study it. It makes sense to you. And you explain that truth to the people in your congregation. Okay, I'm doing that right now. I'm explaining God's word to you. That's one half of the arch. But it's not over with until application is made. So a person with this word of knowledge is someone who can take God's word, understand it, explain it to you in such a way that you can then take it in and apply it to your everyday life. That there is life transformation that takes place because of the knowledge of the Word of God. And so the person with this gift is enabled to not only discover truths from the facts of Scripture, but they also explain them and interpret them in such a way that it affects your everyday life. So let me ask you again, do we need people in our church with this gift? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, these are the contemplative gifts, and, and you can see that you know, it takes a lot of thinking. It takes a lot of studying to have these gifts and to use them right. But what if all of us were this way? What if the only two gifts we had at Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church were people who had the gifts of wisdom and the gift of knowledge? You know what would happen? Nothing. <laughs> Really, honestly, nothing would get done. Thank, thank God that we have people in our church who have the gift of helps and the gift of service. They say, you know what, I'm glad that you have your contemplative gift, use that gift, but I want to help this person over here fix their car. Where's a garage I can use? Huh? I thank God that we have people in our church who have the gift of hospitality. And they can say to others who have these contemplative gifts, you know what, great, I'm glad that you have your gift. You, you go ahead and stay in that room over there and study all you want to, but there are some people over here who need some genuine hospitality given to them, and I'll go minister to them. But you know what, it takes both. It takes both to make a church the way it's supposed to be. We need both Marys and Marthas. <laughs> right here in our church. So understand your spiritual gift. Why? Because it helps you appreciate the beauty that comes with the diversity that God has put in our church. And so look at me, look at me. Online people, look at me. You're all needed. Every one of you are needed. Why? Because you are a vital part to the makeup of the fellowship of this church. You need to use your gift to make us a better church. And that leads me to point number three. Using your spiritual gift strengthens the church. It makes us a better church. Look at verse number 11. 
says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Again, the big picture of this verse says, this is, this is the job of the Holy Spirit. When he moves into your life, he picks the gift that you're going to have. And he chooses the gift that you're going to use. But notice the context of the verse. He says, but one and the same Spirit works all of these things. It's the Holy Spirit working in your life, allowing you to use this gift. That word works is the same word that is used back up in verse 6 that says, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same Spirit who works all in all. And that word works means to energize. So really in, in, in practice, you're not really using that gift. God's using you through that gift. God is flowing through you. It is God's power and God's energy from the Holy Spirit that flows through you and allows you to do the work of the ministry. Snapshot. When everyone in this room and everyone online discovers and uses their spiritual gift, we become a stronger church. We become the church that God intends us to be summer of 2020. Now, I don't have to tell you we're living in a crazy time. I mean, our world is chaotic. America is in turmoil. And more than ever, we need the stability of a Bible-believing church to rise up and do the work of the ministry in our community. How are we going to make this, this nation a better nation? How do we make America a, a better America? One person at a time. Through the work of the local church. That means that all of you, the 200 that are in this room and the probably seven or 800, maybe 1,000 people who watch this online, you need to discover what your spiritual gift is and use it. We need 100% of our people involved in ministry. I'll end with this story. It happened about 20 years ago. I've been here 22 years, and it was maybe a couple of years into my ministry. We were, we were having a, a board meeting upstairs over there. We were discussing how we can get more people involved in doing the work of the ministry. And we, we had all these organizational charts. That's back when Kendall was here, and Kendall was big into charts. And we were going to divide and conquer and put everybody in ministry. And, and we were going to put board members in charge of different ministries. And we had this whole plan laid out. And, man, it was looking good. It looked good. It looked good. After it was over with, uh, one of the board members caught me and just in a conversation talked to me about it. And I'll tell you who. It was Brother Charlie Wagner. Now, a, a lot of you in here know Charlie. Some of you don't know him. He goes to our first service. There is not a more godly man in our church than Charlie Wagner. I'm telling you, he, he's a great teacher. He's a great Bible, but he has the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge. And, and I value his opinion so much. And here's what Charlie said to me. He said, preach. He said, man, we have such a good church. Our, our people at Kavanaugh Church are some of the best people in God's kingdom. And Danny, I believe that, don't you? We have some of the best people in the world right here at Kavanaugh Church. And he said, you know what? What I've discovered is they are willing to do anything that they are asked to do. But he said, here's the deal. I've discovered you've got to ask them. He said, typically our people aren't going to volunteer or just, just step up to the plate and do it. You've got to ask them. Now, guys, that was 20 years ago. 
And, and I think we've made some, some big steps since then. Because that's not always the case. We have people coming all the time saying, how can I be used? What can I do? I, I want to be involved in ministry. Help me find my spiritual gift. Help me find my place of ministry. Help me find my place of service. I'm so thankful for that. But I know that's still the, 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 the default condition of most of us. We're willing to be used if we're asked. So here's what I'm doing as I close this sermon. To you who are sitting here, it's just me and you, okay? Nobody else is around, just me and you. It's just the two of us. Are you getting that? Maybe it's easier for those of you online. Nobody else is in the room, just me and you. And I'm going to ask you from a pastor's heart, would you be involved? Would you discover your spiritual gift? Would you do what God made you to do? Will you do ministry at Kavanaugh Church? Why? Because we need you. So you know what? I am asking you. I'm asking you to discover the gifting that you have. If you're saved, God's gifted you. Would you please discover that gift and use it? We need you. You say, well, preacher, you just tell me what to do. You tell me what my gift is. I can't do that. You see, that's part of the process. You're going to have to discover your spiritual gift yourself. You're going to have to dig into God's Word. You're going to have to get on your knees and pray for wisdom. You're going to have to discover what you're passionate about. And I'll tell you why. If I just ask you to do something, you might be gung-ho at the first, and you might jump into ministry. But you know, can I tell you, sometimes ministry is not comfortable. Sometimes ministry is not fun. Sometimes when you do ministry, you're doing it for good, but you're going to be misunderstood. Sometimes people are not going to accept you. They're going to reject you. They're not going to have a kind word. They will come back with a harsh word. Sometimes you're not going to see fruit from your ministry, and it's going to get discouraging. And if you're only doing it because I've asked you to do it, you will falter and fail and step off the, the road, and you may even quit coming to church because you don't want to be seen as a disappointment. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. You ask God. Because if God tells you to do something, you know what? Even if the going gets tough, you're still going to do it. Why? Because God put it on your heart to do it. And you discovered, this is my reason for being here. This is why God created me. This is my purpose in life. And nothing can touch that. So would you do it? We need you. God wants you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. Dear Lord, for those who are listening to me in person and those online, if, if anyone is without Christ and without hope, they don't have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray that they would take that step of faith today and receive Jesus and the gift of salvation. Lord, help them to come and talk to one of our pastors this morning or call us on the phone this week. And, and dear Lord, explore the possibilities of being born again. Lord, for the rest of us who are saved, help us to find, follow, and finish your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Help us to discover our purpose in life and use that gift that you've given us for the building up of your kingdom. And we'll praise you for it. And everybody said...
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, thanks for being here today and listening. Come back next Sunday because we're going to continue this, and we're going to look specifically next week at the nine gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, you're about to leave this room. If, if you're in person and you walk out the doors, make sure you drop your offering off in one of those offering boxes. Uh, if you're listening online, you can give online. Go to the Give tab at KavanaughChurch.com. Uh, or you can mail your check in. Uh, we're still taking donations to uh, get Ron home, even though we've got Ron home. Uh, and that is a great thing. Amen. We're so glad that Ron and Sandy are back. They, they came back on Wednesday, and, and I know they're just worn out. Uh, they may be watching this service. Ron, Sandy, we love you. And as a church, we're, we're supporting you and praying for you. Uh, thank you for your gifts to get Ron home. If you'd like to give even today, you can do so. Just make a notation that your gift is, is going to Ron. Uh, then as you leave the room, stop by the uh, Welcome Center at the information table over here. Matt Ortega is going to be back there. Matt has, I'll tell you what Matt, Matt's passion is. It's very clear to see Matt's passion. He has a passion for Puerto Rico and the people of Puerto Rico and our church there that is pastored by Pastor Jose. Uh, a year ago, we were at, at, uh, in Puerto Rico with Pastor Jose and uh, had a tremendous ministry. Uh, Pastor Jose is going to be with us at the end of the month. Uh, Matt has started a ministry to support Puerto Rico, and there's going to be a big fundraiser on the last Saturday of the month of June. Uh, we're going to turn our gymnasium into a mattress showroom, basically. Uh, there's a company that's going to come in and sell top-quality mattresses at 50% off and so two things, if you need a mattress, uh, come that Saturday and, and buy one, you're going to get a great deal. But more than that, we want you to publicize this in the community. So Matt's got yard signs out here he'll give you, you can put in your yard. Also uh, flyers that you can take that gives all the details and information. Uh, just as a side note, if one of your friends or family members comes and they buy a mattress, then part of the proceeds, of course, is going to go to this ministry for Puerto Rico, but another part of it is going to go to, uh, in your name, to our building fund. That's a win-win situation, isn't it? So stop by, see Matt, uh, he'll answer questions, and then on that next Sunday, Pastor Jose is going to be with us, and I'm so excited to have him uh, come and be with us. Uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, Brother Johnny, you're going to be live with the kids, so... Uh, Man, tune in for little kids' service. Six o'clock, Brother Nathan is going to be uh, Instagram live with the teenagers. And at 6.30, Al Valentine, who attends our first service, is going to give us a Bible study lesson. Let me tell you, if you don't know Brother Al, you need to meet him. He is a Bible scholar and an excellent teacher. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, tune back in to Facebook Live. We're going to be at Randall University, we're going to have a live service that you're going to be able to watch and enjoy. Continue to pray for It's Our Turn and uh, watch the progress of the new building outside. Uh, one last thing, our staff loves you. I love you. Most importantly, God loves you. All right. Have a good day. Use your gift this week. You're dismissed.